Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Today, God speaks to us from Genesis 22, verses 1 through 11. 19, sorry. Génesis 22, 1 al 19. Dios prueba a Abraham. Pasado cierto tiempo, Dios puso a prueba a Abraham y le dijo, Abraham, aquí estoy, respondió. Y Dios le ordenó, toma a tu hijo, el único que tienes, al que tanto amas, y ve a la región de Moria. Una vez allí, ofrécelo como holocausto en el monte que yo te indicaré. Abraham se levantó de madrugada y ensilló su asno. También cortó leña para el holocausto y junto con dos de sus criados y su hijo Isaac, se encaminó hacia el lugar que Dios le había indicado. Al tercer día, Abraham alzó los ojos y a lo lejos vio el lugar. Entonces les dijo a sus criados, quédense aquí, quédense aquí con el asno. El muchacho y yo seguiremos adelante para adorar a Dios y luego regresaremos junto a ustedes. Abraham tomó la leña del holocausto y la puso sobre Isaac, su hijo. Él, por su parte, cargó con el fuego y el cuchillo. Y los dos siguieron caminando juntos. Isaac le dijo a Abraham, Padre, dime hijo, aquí tenemos el fuego y la leña, continuó Isaac. Pero, ¿dónde está el cordero para el holocausto? El cordero, hijo mío, lo proveerá a Dios, le respondió Abraham, y siguieron caminando juntos. Cuando llegaron al lugar señalado por Dios, Abraham construyó un altar y preparó la leña. Después ató a su hijo Isaac y lo puso sobre el altar encima de la leña. Entonces tomó el cuchillo para sacrificar a su hijo, pero en este momento el ángel del Señor le gritó desde el cielo. Abraham, Abraham, aquí estoy, respondió. No pongas manos sobre el muchacho ni le hagas ningún daño, le dijo el ángel. Ahora sé que temes a Dios porque ni siquiera te has negado a darme a tu hijo único. Abraham alzó la vista y en un matorral vio un carnero enredado por los cuernos. Fue entonces, tomó el carnero y lo ofreció como holocausto en lugar de su hijo. A este sitio Abraham lo puso por nombre el Señor provee. Por eso hasta el día de hoy se dice en un monte provee el Señor. El ángel del Señor llamó a Abraham por segunda vez desde el cielo y le dijo, como has hecho esto y no me has negado a tu único hijo, juro por mí mismo, afirma el Señor, que te bendeciré en gran manera y que multiplicaré tu descendencia como las estrellas del cielo y como la arena del mar. Además, tus descendientes conquistarán las ciudades de sus enemigos. Puesto que me has obedecido, todas las naciones del mundo serán bendecidas por medio de tu descendencia. Abraham regresó al lugar donde estaban sus criados y juntos partieron hacia Berseba, donde Abraham se quedó a vivir. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's good to be here with you all. I'm always uh, honored and privileged to worship with you all here at Redeemer Eastside. I love everything about this church, about 
everything you guys are up to and everything you guys are doing. And so, um, yeah, thank you again for having me. It's been a few months since I've been here, and um, yeah, good to be here again. Uh, I know you guys have been going through a series through the book of Genesis called In the Beginning. And uh, this series is about understanding how our lives take on new life as we begin to understand the Genesis story as our own story. Uh, we're all looking for, uh, to understand our origins, where we came from, where our families came from, where our people came from, where, you know, history, everything, where everything came from. And Genesis is that story, and this is also our own story. And I know for a few weeks now, uh, you guys have been looking at the life of Abraham. His life is actually the longest narrative of any single character in the book of Genesis. And so Abraham's kind of a big deal because uh, he had a big call on his life. See, God's call on Abraham's life was to become the father of a great nation. And not just one nation, but of many nations. That people from all different races, all backgrounds, all different kinds of, uh, yeah, just ethnicities and all around the world, that people all around the world would look to Abraham as their founder, as their origin, as their father in the faith. And so he's kind of a big deal. You know, uh, you know, there's so many founders' origin stories these days. We see movies, we see, uh, you know, series, all kinds of things. Uh, but Abraham didn't just found a company that just made a lot of money and made a lot of profit. He didn't just start a movement. Actually, like, a lot of people, billions of people in the world today look to Abraham as their father, as their founder of their faith, where they came from. And so understanding Abraham's life and his story helps us to understand where we came from. And today, uh, the passage that was just read for us very beautifully in Spanish uh, from Genesis 22, we see the story which is the climax of Abraham's life. It's the climax of his entire faith journey with God. From the beginning when God called him to go out to venture into the unknown with nothing but a promise and the presence of God. And it brings us to here, to today. And so um, I think we're going to see something pretty interesting today. We're seeing something being called forth from Abraham's life. There's a calling forth of this greatness in Abraham's faith to a level, to a degree that he's never had to demonstrate before. And so we see just the culmination of Abraham's long journey of faith with God. And we see the summit. What a place of faith that he's been able to come to. And we see it shining forth so clearly today. And so we're going to see four things today. This is a four-point sermon. Uh, they're not... All going to be that long, so bear with me. But uh, we're going to see the purpose of testing. We're going to see what God looks for, where it comes from, and the delight that flows. So the purpose of testing, what God looks for, where it comes from, and the delight that flows. All right. So let's start with the purpose of testing. So uh, in verse 1, we see it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of being tested. Uh, it might not be positive feelings that you associated with that. You might associate that with stress, with pressure, with anxiety, especially if you're a student or if you're in school. Tests that examine how well you know your material. It almost feels like an evaluation of yourself. But there's also, you know, all kinds of tests that we face in life. There's 
tests when we go to the doctor, tests of our health, the condition of our body. There's all kinds of tests that we come across in life, but when you strip all those things away and you come down to the essence of what a test is, what is the purpose of a test? The purpose of a test is to reveal the quality and the character of something. So if you're testing, if you're taking a math test, it's testing you how well you know your fractions and how well you know your earth and you know all that stuff. If you're testing for health, it's testing, oh, how healthy or not is your body. If you're testing like I do, when I go to the grocery store and I test out the fruit, like I'm really bad at picking good fruit because my wife sends me and she's like, oh, can you pick up some melons? Can you? And I always like, I look at the color, I, I shake it, I test the sound, I do all this stuff, and then half the time it just tastes really bad. And so obviously I'm not really good at testing fruit. And sometimes I'll take, take a bite of the first blueberry, you know, just to make sure it's good. Uh, but, you know, what's the purpose of the test? We test to reveal the quality and the character of something. And, you know, we need tests because oftentimes it's hard to identify and discern clearly how good something is. So a test is designed to isolate and to focus on one aspect of the quality of something. And what we see here is God is testing Abraham's faith to discover, to reveal how far, how mature, how much progress Abraham has made to test the quality of his faith. And you know, oftentimes it's hard to fully discern the level of our own faith. Like we can sing songs very beautifully, we can raise our hands, we can, you know, say, make statements about our devotion to God, but oftentimes we don't actually know the degree to which we love the Lord, trust the Lord, obey the Lord until it's put to the test. You know, in our day-to-day, -day, it's, you know, there's so many things going on in life, there's so many different motives that are mixed up in our hearts, but there are those events, there are those times that come in your life. Have you ever had those where just events that come and just reveal something about the character of whether it's who you are or the people that are in your life? Something just brings out and demonstrates so clearly the motives of a person, what they're really about, despite whatever they may say with their words. And that's what a test does. It reveals more clearly things that are hard to discern. And so what we see here is God is testing Abraham, not only for himself, because as we know, uh, the Bible teaches that God knows all things, but God is trying to also reveal for Abraham's sake, but also because Abraham was to be the father of a great nation for many people, including you and I who are believers today. God is trying to reveal for all people who would follow him for all time Something about Abraham's faith that shines so clearly. And so, there's a testing that comes. There's a, that's the purpose of the test. But what is God looking for with this test? Because you got to test for the right thing, right? Like, when I test for fruit, I, something I'm doing is wrong because it's not testing for how good the quality of the fruit tastes. If you're trying to test someone for their math skills, you're not going to test them on their reading and writing, you got to test for the right thing that you're looking for. And what we see here is, what is God looking for? And look with me at verse 2. It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, 
and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. If you're familiar with the life of Abraham, actually Pastor Justin preached on uh, Genesis 12 a few weeks ago, you hear echoes of God's first call to Abraham in chapter 12. When God first came into Abraham's life, he said something that sounds very similar. He said, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Three items in the list that each gets progressively more personal, more intimate. Your country, your people, your father's house. And God says again here, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. You hear the echoes of God's first call. But at the same time, again, we see back in chapter 12, when God first called Abraham, he says, go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell Abraham exactly where it is. He says, as you go on your way, I will show you along the way. And again, we see here, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you as you go. I'm going to show you. So if you're Abraham here, that initial call, it was such a momentous, life-changing, significant event in his life. Of course, he remembered that and he held on to that for the rest of his life. He built his entire life on the call of God. And yet we see here, decades later, the echoes of that call coming again. And Abraham hears that. But here's the thing. What do you not hear? What is not echoed from the first call? Because in the first call, when God called Abraham to leave his family, to leave his uh, household, to leave his country, God also gave him a promise. God said, I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless the whole world through you. God gave him many promises to motivate him, to stir him. Like, hey, if you obey me, if you follow, then all these great things, in all these great ways, I'm going to bless you. And so Abraham's probably almost expecting that. And then God says, go take him to the mountain that I will show you, full stop. No promise, no blessing. There's nothing attached to the command, the call here, to sacrifice his son Isaac. See, what's God doing here? You see, it may be the case because it's hard to discern the true quality of a person's faith. But Abraham definitely demonstrated great faith throughout his life. Also, actually, he failed a lot as well. He, you know, oftentimes he was faltering, he was failing, but he would get back up. He would demonstrate his faith again. You see his faith being tested under conflict and struggling, but it's, it's always growing. Abraham demonstrates a great faith throughout his life. But the question is, was Abraham doing it because he loves God? Or because he got something out of it. Go, leave your country, your people, your father's house. I'm going to do all these amazing things for you. It's like, okay, Lord, I'll do that. You're going to make my name great. You're going to make me a father of a great nation. You're going to bless me. I'm going to bless the whole world because I follow you. And over and over, and over again, every time God calls Abraham to give up something great, calls him to greater levels of faith, there's always a promise attached. And that promise is expanded, extended through the years. But here, for the first time, at the climax of his faith, for the first time, God calls Abraham to do the hardest thing, and he doesn't attach any promise. 
It's almost as if God is testing Abraham's faith. Will you do this just for me when there's nothing in it for you? When there's no benefit to you? When there's no promise of all the ways that I'm going to bless you? See, it's one thing to give things up, surrender, and trust the Lord and follow Him when you know that He's going to bless you. Even when it's hard, you're able to hold on to that. But do we know what it's like to obey when God doesn't promise that He's going to bring good out of it? A blessing that will obey the sacrifice and the cost. Yeah, Abraham had to give up many things in his life, but we never knew for sure. Abraham himself never really knew for sure so clearly whether he was doing it for God, out of his love for the Lord, out of his fear of God, or because of what he was getting out of it. Probably, and we're not sure, but probably, you know, there was a mixture of motives, and that's kind of how life is, right? That's kind of how our hearts are as well. Because if you are a believer, you probably sincerely want to follow God, obey Him, worship Him. And yet at the same time, deep down in the mysteries, the darker places of our hearts that we don't always are able to see, isn't there a motive where, oh, if I obey, if I follow God, then He's going to bless me. Then He's going to give me the things I've been waiting for. Then He's going to answer my prayers. Then he's going to make my life go well. Then he's going to make my path straight. You see here, Abraham not only had to go without a promise of blessing, but at the same time he was called to give up everything that he had hoped for, everything that he had dreamed of, everything that he had worked his entire life for for the past 30-something years. Because God was telling him, not only is there no promise attached, but also, I'm calling you to give up as an offering your son, Isaac, whom you love, who represents, who embodies every blessing that you've been waiting for because your family, your line, your name, the continuance of your name and all that you offer to the world is bound up in Isaac. Everything that Abraham had been living for for 30 plus years, was bound up in Isaac. And God is like, I want you to give all that away. Just for me. Just to follow me. Just because I'm God. Without a promise of blessing. See, do we obey God because we get something? Or do we obey God just because it's God? See, oftentimes it's hard to know. It's hard to discern the deep motives of our hearts. But if we're honest with ourselves, even myself, so many times we obey God not because we want to glorify God purely, but because there's something in it for us. Oftentimes we obey God to get the things He will give us rather than just to get God. And there will come moments in our lives where God wants to test that because that's what God is looking for. He's looking to bring us on a journey in our faith to mature us, to purify us, to bring us to the place where our hearts are able to follow God 
just to get more of God and nothing else. Even when it means losing our dreams, losing our hopes, losing the things that are so dear and so precious and so valuable to us because we believe that God is better, that God is greater, that God is worth more. All the things that we were singing you know, in the songs just a few moments ago, we give you the highest praise above everything else. Like, uh, you know, Abe just also prayed for us to put him in the highest place. And you know, one of the ways that it gets revealed why we're obeying God is when God disappoints us. Have you ever felt disappointed by God? Have you ever had any expectations from the Lord that you felt like he's just not meeting? That he's just letting you down? Lord, if I followed you, if I walked in your ways, then I thought you would bless me with an amazing person that I would meet. I thought you would bless me in my career path, in my vocation. I thought you would bless me with an amazing, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. And yet the moment when you're disappointed, what does that reveal about our hearts? Why we were obeying God. Have we ever blamed God? Have we ever got upset at God? You know, what do these tests reveal about what's truly motivating us? What's truly driving us deep down? You know, these are searching questions that get at our deepest motivations. And they're not easy to answer. These are, these are hard things. That's why it came at the end of a long journey for Abraham. It took many years for him to get to this place. You know, the preacher Charles Spurgeon, he told the story of a great king of a great kingdom. And there was a farmer who wanted to honor that king. And so the farmer, he grew carrots and he had the biggest and the best carrot that he ever grew in his entire life as a farmer. And he brought it to the king and he said, oh king, I give you this carrot. You know, all my life I've been growing carrots. This is the most beautiful, this is the biggest, this is the best carrot that I've ever grown and I want to dedicate it to you. And the king was like, oh farmer, that is such an honor to me what you've just done giving that carrot to me. Because you've shown me this honor, I also will bless you. I'm going to multiply your farms, multiply your land, you know, give you all these things that you want and need so that you can continue to do the work that you do. And he gave him great honor in that land. But then, you know, there was someone else in that room who actually saw what the king was doing. This man, he raised horses. And he saw, man, if the king gives the farmer all that just for a carrot, Imagine what he'll give me for a horse. Because a horse is worth more than a carrot. And so this man brought his best, his most beautiful horse to the king. And he said, oh, king, you know, because you are such an amazing king, I honor you. I bring you my best, my brightest, my, my most beautiful horse that I've ever raised. I want to dedicate it to you. And the king was like, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll see you later. And the man was like, King, what, like, what, what was that? For the farmer gave you the carrot and then you blessed him with all these things. What happened? What about this horse? It's worth so much more. And the king was like, see, the difference is the farmer gave me the carrot. You gave yourself the horse. See, are the things that we're bringing to God, the offerings that we bring, 
the obedience that we bring, the worship that we bring, is it for God or is it for ourselves? It's not always easy to discern. That's why sometimes it's these moments, these tests that come in our lives that reveal the clear picture of our motivations of our hearts. And this is what God is looking for. He's looking for someone who truly fears him and loves him. We see that in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord says, now I know that you fear God. Now I know, because you did not withhold your son, your only son, whom you love. Okay, so that's what God is looking for. All right, we're gonna have to run through these last couple points. That was the main point though, okay? That was like the biggest point, and so, all right, uh, so we saw uh, what God is looking for, but where does it come from? What is the source of this kind of faith that Abraham is able to bring before the Lord? See, we see here uh, a couple times the only words that Abraham says to God in this entire story is, here I am. We see it in the early part. We see it later on when the angel of the Lord says, stop what you're doing. Abraham's only words, his posture towards the Lord is, here I am. He comes submissively, submitting and trusting God. You see, earlier in Abraham's life, he questions God. God, are you really going to bless me? Are you really going to fulfill these promises? He doubts God. How do I know? You know, Eliezer, my servant, is this all I have? He even schemes because he doesn't trust God. He, he has a son with his uh, maidservant, Hagar. One time he even laughs at God. God's like, okay, this time next year your wife's going to have a son. And Abraham just laughs in God's face like, like seriously? A man 100 years old is going to have a child? See, you see Abraham through the years, the struggles in his faith. And yet here he's come to the place where he's able to say, here I am. Whatever you ask, Lord, whatever you say, here I am. There's no more questioning. There's no more laughing. There's no more scheming. There's no more doubting. There's no more putting forth alternative options to God. It's just, Lord, whatever you say, whatever your will is, wherever you call me to, here I am. You see, Abraham for three days with his son and his servants, he went for three days. This wasn't something that he just did, you know, in the moment, out of a flash of emotion. No, it was, it was a conscious commitment. It was not a reaction, but a decision that Abraham was making before the Lord. And, you know, I love this story. It's such a tender and a beautiful story here, the way the narrator tells it, because starting in verse 6, it says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Actually, the Hebrew says, here I am, my son. He sensed the tenderness between father and son. This is the only place in the Bible where Abraham and Isaac speak to each other. Father, here I am, my son. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Do you hear the trusting questions of Isaac, the son? 
how much there's a tender trust that he has toward his father. And do you hear the aching and the heaviness in Abraham's heart? Consider how they make not only the journey of the three days, but that long and lonely trek up the side of the mountain as they're about to go to the place of sacrifice. Father and son, father holding the fire and the knife, son holding the wood for the burnt offering. And as they're walking up, silently together, carrying all this, what is Abraham thinking and feeling as he's going up? And yet what gives him the strength, the motivation, what pushes him to continue on with this incredible sacrifice? And it's this, God himself will provide the lamb. And afterwards, what is the testimony that Abraham gives? When God does provide the ram, Abraham calls the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You know that word for provide in the Hebrew is actually the word for see to. The Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to the details. The Lord will work out the details. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know the details. I have no idea how God's going to make this all work out. I don't know how he's going to unfold it all. But I trust the Lord that he's good. I trust that he's with me. And that's all I need to know. And the Lord will see to it. Everything else. That's God's role. My role is to trust and obey and to fear. The Lord will provide. See, have you come to the place where you are able to say, no matter what the Lord calls you to do, no matter what he commands you, no matter where he leads you, no matter what he asks you to surrender and give up in your own life, no matter how dear and precious those things are, have you come to the place where you're able to say, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. My life, my future, my everything is in God's hands. I trust everything to him. He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my present. He's going to take care of my future. He's going to take care of my unknowns. He's going to take care of my fears. He's going to take care of my anxieties. He's going to take care of all these burdens that I'm carrying on me. The Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. I trust in the Lord. See, this is the place that Abraham has come to after many decades, after fits and starts, after failing and faltering many times. After all these years, Abraham is finally able to come to a place where no matter what the call is, he's able to know and believe that the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. Not only everything good comes from God, but everything good is found in God. That God is all I need. That He is with me. That His presence is with me. That he will not leave me, he will not forsake me. The deeper and deeper that this reality is drilled into our hearts, the more and more that you and I will grow into people of great faith. Into people of greatness who are able to follow God's call. You see, God's call didn't come into Abraham's life because he was great. Because he was far from it. No, but God's call came into Abraham's life to make him great. It was God's call. Firm and fierce, steadfast, through the decades, God's faithfulness, God's call in Abraham's life was the foundation, was the anchor, was the taproot out of which Abraham's greatness grew. 
And it's through the testings that God brings into our lives that we're able to grow more and more and know the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. And you see, where do we get the same faith? Where do we get the faith that Abraham displayed in this climax of his life? You see, many years later, there was another father called to give up his own son, his only son whom he loved, Jesus. And Jesus, the son, had to make a long and lonely trek up a mountain, carrying the wood, carrying the cross, feeling the weight, feeling the forsakenness from his own father, the tenderness, the intimacy, the love that Abraham and Isaac shared was nothing compared to the love shared between the Father and God the Son, Jesus. For eternity, such infinite depths of love and intimacy. And yet, to demonstrate His love once and for all time, God the Father gave up His Son, His only Son, whom he loves more than anything else in this entire world. He led him up that mountain. And on the cross, he didn't just take out the knife, but he executed his own son on that cross to demonstrate his love, his commitment for you and me so that anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus as their Savior, as the one who died for them, can know forever and ever, once and for all, without a doubt, now we know that God loves us because He did not withhold His Son, His only Son, whom He loves, from us. See, the New Testament, Apostle Paul says this in Romans 8, if God did not spare His own Son, He loves Jesus more than anything else in this world. But if He didn't withhold His own Son from us, then what else will he not give us? What do we have to fear in this life? What can this world throw at us? What sickness, what pandemic, what economic crises, catastrophes, what can come at us in this life? What do we have to fear? If God did not withhold his own son, what will he not also give us? How do we now trust that he will be with us and nothing can truly hurt us if we know that he has given us Jesus. You see, you know, many people, when they look at the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, and they look at it in an isolated way, they, you know, I myself also feel this. It's, it's almost appalling. It's, it's horrific. Like, how could God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac? How could he ask a father to do that? And it's like, with that same energy, do we feel the same way? How could God the Father give up His Son for people like you and me, who don't deserve it, who are sinners, who rebel, who fail God time and again? How could God give up His own Son for us? See, the same way we're astonished and shocked at what Abraham was called to do, do we feel that same astonishment at what God the Father has done for us? Because if you've been a Christian for some time, that story of the gospel, of Jesus being given out of love for us, we can get so used to it, right? 
We get, we get so familiar. It ceases to shock us, to astonish us. And I think one of the purposes of the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, we should feel that kind of appalling sense of shock. And yet, feel it infinitely more. Once and for all, how much God loves us. What else, what other demonstration of his love do we need in our lives? Other than the cross. Other than that mountain where the Lord did provide the sacrifice, the substitute in our place. The Lord will provide. All right, I got one more point, but I'm going to skip it. Because I just sense like, you know, this, yeah. Uh, but... I'll just, say, I'll just say a minute about the last point, okay? The, the delight that flows. You know what's interesting? I haven't heard this brought out in too many sermons on this passage. I'll say uh, just a minute on this. But, man, God takes so much delight. You see the promises that God gives in verse 15 to 18? He, he like, he's extending and expanding the promises that he's been giving Abraham his whole life. And this becomes the climax of God's promise to Abraham. He says, for the first time, he swears... He's never sworn by himself before. He says, now I swear by myself. And he says, I will surely bless you. God's never surely, God says, I will bless you before. But he's never said, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. God's like, okay, for all time, once and for all, I'm never going back on my word. Abraham, because you did this, because you trusted me, because you feared me and loved me and delighted in me, this is all the overflowing ways with which I want to bless you. It's like the summit. It's the highest expression of God's blessing. Abraham didn't know it was coming. But this is the kind of delight that God takes when we love him, when we trust him. It may not come the way that we expect, but God's promises to bless us, maybe not the way we expect in this life, but for all time, is going to be beyond astounding, beyond our wildest imaginations, what he has held out for us. And so we see here, that was a couple minutes. Uh, I had to cut most of that. But what we see here is, if you know, and these are God's last words to Abraham recorded in scripture. It's like, there's nothing else left to say. So Abraham, you've, you've come to the top. You've come to the place where I've been looking for. To come to that place of faith where you love me, trust me, fear me, obey me, not for anything that you can get, but just for who I am. Just for me. That's what God is at work. That's what he's doing in our lives. Through all the conflicts, through all the crises, through all the testings, God wants to bring us to that place. And man, when you get there, you can face anything. That is the summit. That's what he's called us to. And he's shown us that same level of commitment in Jesus. So let's look to him as we walk out the rest of our lives. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. What an amazing gift you've given us in Jesus. And that this story displays for us, Lord, that you've given up your son, your only son, whom you love. Would you make that beautiful reality so real, press at home so deeply into our hearts, that will bring us that depth of security and trust and comfort and assurance and love. And that out of that, we will be able to live lives of freedom, 
and lives of faith following you into your call for our lives. We ask that you do this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. For more information on our church and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc.